Welcome back to Alger Assembly of God and welcome back to our series entitled Women of Faith. We've taken the theme verse of James 2.17 which says this, Faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by works, is dead. So it says that faith is necessary, faith is important, faith is great, but it must result in action. It must be faith put into practice. Now, we've been uh, studying all month long women who have done just that, women who have put their faith into practice. We began by taking a look at Deborah and Jael, and we looked at a faith that overcomes. Certainly, there are things that maybe you have needed to overcome. That would be a great message to check out. On Mother's Day, we looked at Jochebed and a faith that protects as Jochebed was protecting her child, little baby Moses. Last week, we saw the Samaritan woman as Jesus interacted with her in a faith that shares. He shared with her and then she shared with her town and village and community. This morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to Mark chapter 12. Today, we're going to be examining some thoughts about a faith that gives I know, I can almost see your excited expressions. Not really, I can't see them, and not really, there might not be a whole lot of excited expressions. See, here's the truth, when it comes to giving, it can be a challenge for pastors to speak on giving because there are two basic truths. First of all, individuals who do give don't need to hear about it. And individuals who don't give don't want to hear about it. So then you say, if the people who give don't need to and the people who don't don't want to, why speak about it? Well, God's Word teaches about giving. God's Word's clear about us to give and to return back to the Lord. And uh, in preparation for this month's series, I felt impressed of God simply to include giving in this time and in this month. Now, it's a challenging time, no doubt. Why in the world speak about giving in the midst of coronavirus, COVID-19 situation? Here's what we do know. In the midst of every challenge, in the midst of every difficulty, in the midst of every catastrophe, a great response always is giving. After floods, after uh, turmoil such as earthquakes or tsunamis or, yes, the coronavirus, many people respond and give. And there are so many different ways that people do that, giving to charities and churches and individuals, uh, setting up different foundations and nonprofits. Even in the midst of this, our government's gotten, gotten in on it and given and blessed in the form of stimulus and, and uh, paycheck and payback uh, protection program for small businesses and such. So in the midst of many of these situations, people give. And so I want to challenge us with giving today. Now, let me go ahead and let me ease your heart. Let me ease your mind and assure you that as a church, Alger Assembly of God, we are not in dire situation financially. Certainly, we've kept you up to date over the last year or two. We've had some very challenging situations. But let me give you some good news that in the midst of this difficult situation, in the midst of eight, nine, 10, 11 weeks worth of coronavirus, we have been able to meet all of our needs and then some. In March, uh, we ended in the positive. 
In April, we ended three to $400 in the positive. And so far in May, uh, we are looking upwards in the positive. So God has blessed uh, as a board. Uh, we've met every single week throughout the process. Uh, we've talked about and looked at and, and inspected our finances, continuing to cut back even further in some other areas that we've not cut back in even previously. So we've been very cautious as to the spending. But I want to say thank you, certainly to our board, and thank you to you for your faithfulness in giving. It's because of you that we've been able to meet all of these needs. So it's not a, a crisis situation, but I do believe that God would have some principles and thoughts for us when it comes to giving. So I invite you to join with me in Mark chapter 12 as we examine very simply this morning two principles as it relates to giving. First of all, a faith that gives knows that Jesus sees. Now there's an old story about a burglar who broke into a house he thought was empty. He stealthily crept into the living room, but was stopped dead in his tracks when he heard a loud voice clearly saying, Jesus is watching you. He paused, looked around, but he heard nothing else in the house so again, he creeps forward. The voice rang out again, booming a little louder this time. Jesus is watching you. The thief abruptly stopped once more. He was, at this point, frightened out of his wits. Frantically, he looks all around, and in a dark corner of the room, he spotted a birdcage. And inside the birdcage was a small parrot. So he looks at the parrot, and he asks, was it you that said that Jesus is watching me? Imagine the burglar carrying on a conversation with the parrot, but the parrot answers and says, yes. The burglar breathes a huge sigh of relief and then asks the parrot one more simple question. He says, so what's your name? The bird answers, Ronald. That's a stupid name for a parrot, sneered the burglar. As then he launches one more question to the bird. What kind of idiot named you Ronald? The parrots reply, the same idiot who named the Rottweiler Jesus. You see, Jesus is watching. Know that Jesus sees, not as the Rottweiler ready to pounce on people, but Jesus sees, Jesus observes, and when it comes to our faith, lived out in practice of giving, know that Jesus sees. So Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 41, we read this. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. King James Version, you might have heard about the widow with two mites, as it was called. So understand and know that Jesus sees. Jesus sees who gives. It, it says that he sat down and, and he was watching, he was observing, he was, he was staring intently to see as individuals would come by and give. And Jesus sees uh, many who were putting in large amounts, Jesus also sees this widow who, who put two small coins in. 
He saw the widow. He saw everything about her. Be reminded, Jesus knows and observes and sees everything that's taking place in your life. He knows all of the excitement. He knows all of the burdens and challenges that you and I face. But he sees you and he sees this woman and sees her as one of dignity and honor and value. And so Jesus sees each individual that is giving in this case, and Jesus sees even today in in churches and in ministries, in organizations, Jesus sees who gives. Not only does Jesus see who gives, but Jesus sees what we give. Now there is said to be a number, perhaps even 13 of these trumpet-like or trumpet-shaped boxes And they were, in a sense, kind of relating to different funds or different kinds of offerings there at the temple. And it was quite a show to people uh, come by and and toss some of their offerings in. In fact, it says many rich people threw in. They threw in, almost kind of winding up and tossing and placing them into into these boxes. Now, certainly they did not have the dollar bills that we have, the checks that we have, the mobile giving that we would have. They basically were coin-based society. And so the larger coins would would be a little bit uh, larger, a little heavier, a little bit more worthwhile, and and, uh, the smaller ones, certainly smaller, lighter than the others. The type of coins that you would drop or place or even throw in, they would communicate what you were giving. And so if you had a whole handful of large and heavy coins and and you dropped them in, it would make quite the sound and people could see and hear, wow, look what this individual gave. If there were fewer coins or less of a noise, then it would seem to indicate less was given. And so the coins that this widow gave, these two mites or uh, these two small coins, they were the smallest bronze Jewish coin in circulation, two of them would equal 164th of a Roman denarius. A denarius would be basically what an average worker would earn in a day. So this is 164th of that. Now, you might refer to that as maybe a handful of cents. At At the very greatest, we might say today, maybe it's worth a buck. I mean, there's just not a whole lot of value. This was not a a days or weeks or months of wages. It was a small portion that was given. As far as what that that gift could purchase, uh, those couple small little coins would not be able to purchase very much. They were were light. They would not have made much of a sound. You think about a a silver dollar, a half dollar, a quarter, some of those larger coins that we would have today. If you had a handful of those and and you're dropping them in, they would make quite a sound. But maybe a couple of pennies uh, wouldn't make very much sound at all. But here's the fact. No matter what it is that we give, Jesus sees it. And and Jesus saw what this uh, this woman, this widow was doing. So he, he sees who gives, he sees what we give, but understand this, Jesus sees and knows why we give. He sees both the gift as well as the heart of the giver. He, he can see right into our thoughts and attitudes of our heart. 
He sees that sometimes some people might only give if people are watching. And yet he sees other individuals who would give even if nobody saw them, even if nobody knew or recognized. And certainly uh, everything in between, he sees deep to the inner recesses of our heart. So let me ask, what is the heart, what is the attitude that we have as we give? Do we give grudgingly? Do we, do we feel as if somehow we're being made to or coerced to give? Or do we give willingly and cheerfully to bless God? Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 6, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have determined in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God's able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You see, a faith that gives, a, a faith that's real and genuine and put into practice where we give is going to understand and know that Jesus sees. But secondly, a faith that gives reveals our trust in God. Back to Mark chapter 12, we read this, verse 43. After the widow had given these two small coins, it says, Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. See, a faith that gives reveals our trust in God. God doesn't need anything that we have. He is not broke. God has created and, and God's given all that we have in the first place. But here's the thing. He trusts us to take care of our little part and return that back to Him. You see, that's stewardship. He owns it. He, he blesses and gives it to us and, and we oversee it. Then we get to demonstrate our trust in God by giving it and returning a part of that back to Him. Now, in this particular case, the widow didn't give just some. Jesus said the widow chose to give all. She gave all that she had to live on. And, and so that meant she was truly needing to trust and rely upon God. She, she was trusting God to take care of her. Does our giving, how we give, what we give, the attitude that we give, does it demonstrate a trust in God? Do we believe that God will take care of our needs? And so in the midst of that, we return back a portion to Him. Here's a quote by Mother Teresa that I found interesting. It says this, If you give what you do not need, it isn't giving. And I would submit to you that it isn't trusting either. If we simply give what we don't need, it's not true giving. It's not true trusting. Because here's what often happens. We, we can tend to give or donate things we don't want 
or things we don't need. I think we're, we're all very similar in that. You have maybe a garage sale. We're getting into spring, getting into summer. As some of these regulations are lifting, no doubt there's going to be some garage sales. And you go through your house and you find all these things you don't use, you don't want, you, you no longer need, and you put them out, you hope to sell them. Somebody's going to come through and, and purchase these items from you. Now what happens at the end of that garage sale, that yard sale? You've got tables or boxes of items left. You didn't want it, you didn't need it, and you didn't sell it. Many times people will then box it up and let's bring it to Salvation Army. Let's, uh, let's bring it to Goodwill. Let's, let's bring it to the Beatitudes. Let's find somebody. You know what? I wonder, maybe we can give it to this person or that person to the church. Let's find somebody who wants what I don't want, what I don't need. Sometimes that's what happens with our financial giving as well. We wait to see, are there some resources, are there some finances we don't need or don't want. And in many cases, it simply is, <laughs> nope, want it all, need it all. So I guess there's nothing left to give. See, it demonstrates that there's, there's not a true trust in God. Because a heart of giving and faith that gives reveals that we really do have a heart that trusts God. See, when we trust God, we give Him what's right, not just what's left. We give Him what's first, not just what is last. The encouragement is to give God what's first, not the leftovers, not, not to try to take care of everything else. And if there's a little something we can scrape off, to go ahead and give to God, but to give and, and trust Him by giving to Him first. See, all throughout Scriptures, God is encouraged and taught and ask that we would give what is first and give what is best. Even in the Old Testament, you go back, you look at the, uh, the first, fruit, uh, first fruits, rather, and the desire is to bring the first portion of the first set of crops. In addition, when it comes to uh, some of the sacrifices and animals that were used for sacrifices, it wasn't to go find uh, the lame and the maim and, and all of those that had blemishes and defects and say, well, this, this one is really not one I'd want anyway. Let me give that. They were to go and find the best and present that to the Lord. And that's, that's a little bit of the foreshadowing of how God who gave his very best, his son, Jesus Christ, for you and I. You see, in the New Testament, probably the most famous verse of Scripture, John 3, 16. What does it say? You probably know it. For God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't give leftovers. He gave his very best, his one and only son, Jesus Christ. It, it wasn't, uh, you know, the, the items that he didn't want or didn't need, but he gave his very best for you and he gave his very best for me. And so our response to him, our response to his generosity is that we can be like him and follow his example. It's an honor to be able to honor God with what he's entrusted to us. It's time, it's talent, it's treasure. All three of those things God has blessed us with. Now, in some cases, many individuals would say, well, I'll give of some of those things. I'll give a little time and a little bit of talent, but you're not, you're not getting any of my treasure, any of my finances or resources. 
And so some might be willing to, to part with some of the things God's given, but not all. You see, we've got an opportunity to be able to be obedient, to be like God as God was generous as a giver. Malachi chapter 3, we read this, Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, he says, You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be, may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord God Almighty. It's part of a test. It's part of a trust. Do we truly trust that if we give and return a, a portion of that to him, that he will oversee and help us manage and, and allow us to utilize the rest of that? You see, a faith that gives, it reveals that trust in him. Listen, it doesn't make sense in the natural to take a portion, to take the tithe as is spoken about, 10%, and, and give that back to the Lord. How in the world can I make it on 90%? You see, it's, it's a supernatural thing as we put our trust and our faith and our confidence in Him. 90% with God's blessing and, and God's direction versus 100% that we try to manage and oversee. I take it with God's way and that 90%. Ourselves, our, our family, and, and so many other different individuals can attest to the, to the power and to the faithfulness of God. It's, it's exciting to be able to give. It's, it's exciting to be able to, to take that faith and then put it into practice. Uh, here, just a, about a month ago, we, we told you about, and many of you have already experienced uh, the giving of the government and, and uh, the opportunity of the, uh, the stimulus. And it was kind of an exciting thing as certainly we were some who had received that, uh, that stimulus. And to be able to say the very first part of that is the tithe and, and above that missions and above that and above that to, to generously give. It was kind of an exciting thing to see uh, a substantial check that we could bring and give to the Lord. And to know that God's going to oversee all of the rest as we put him first, we trust in God. It comes down to trust. Do you and I, do we trust that God knows what he's doing and that God will oversee you and I? See, a faith that gives, it reveals that trust in him. Now, the story is told of a man who got lost in the desert. After wandering around for a long time, suffering from a severely parched throat, he spotted a little shack off in the distance. He made his way over to the shack, and here's what he found. A hand-operated, heavy, cast-iron water pump, and it had a small jug of water that was sitting next to it. A note was attached to the jug. It was, it was weathered and worn, but it read this. Pour all the water into the top of the pump to prime it. If you do this, you will get all the water you need. Obviously, back then, you, you needed to prime the pump and kind of get that pump going. So you, you started it with the water. So now the thirsty man, 
parched in the desert, he had a choice to make. He, he had one of two different options. Option one, trust the note. And, and take that little portion of water and pour it into that pump, prime the pump, and then trust that he would get the water that he needs. If it worked, he would have more than needed. And if it didn't, well, he would still be thirsty. He would have no water and potentially die. Option number two, he could choose to go ahead and drink the little portion of water that was in that jug and maybe get some immediate satisfaction. The problem was that little jug might not be enough for him and he might still die as a result. He thought about it for a moment, but he decided to trust. He poured the entire jug into the pump and began to work the handle. At first, nothing happened and he got anxious but he kept pumping and soon water started to gush out. So much water came out, he drank all he wanted, took a shower and filled every container he could find with this life-sustaining fluid because he was willing to give up the immediate satisfaction and trust this note, he had all that he needed. Now the note also said this, after you have finished, please refill the jug for the next traveler. So the man refilled the jug and he added his own personal thought to the note. He said, please prime the pump. Trust me, it works. And I can share with you on behalf of our family and many others who have faithfully given, faithfully tithed, faithfully returned a portion back to the Lord in, in a whole variety of ways and resources and sources that God does bless. He is faithful. As we trust in him, he does not let us down. So know a faith that gives, it knows that Jesus sees. And a faith that gives reveals our trust in God. <music> 